Today on Locked On Red Wings, the Carolina Hurricanes do what the Carolina Hurricanes do, and they stop any offensive, at least good offensive opportunities for the Detroit Red Wings as they blank Detroit one to nothing in a very, very boring hockey game. You're locked on Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Red Wings podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley. I am a podcast producer for the Daily J. Uh, I, I helped out with the episode that went out today, which would be Tuesday. We talk about the minimum wage fight in Michigan. Uh, and then Scotty is freelance journalist for the Detroit News as well as host over at Lockdown Tigers. Oh, fun fact. I didn't even tell you this, Scotty. Um, I was also on Lockdown NHL for Wednesday, Wednesday's episode. Uh, Ross of Lockdown Sends reached out to me and asked me if I could fill in. So listen to Lockdown NHL. You'll hear my voice, um, whether or not you like that or hate that. So have fun with that. <laughs> they, they always got a good product, though, regardless. Yeah, that's yeah, a fun Especially show. when I'm on. It's always a good product regardless. Especially when I'm on, Scotty, right? It's a good listen every day of the week. Okay. All right. <laughs> Anyways, um, it was a it's a better listen than what the Red Wings had you watch on Tuesday night as they got blanked one to nothing by the Carolina Hurricanes. And I there's a couple different places we could start. I mean, I feel as if you want to start with Larkin or you want to end with Larkin? It's I feel one like of those we should two. start with Larkin just because okay. that's the burning question, right? Yeah. Um, I know you told me before we started recording that Larkin would not be in tomorrow's game. As soon as the game ended, I had to go to my own hockey game. We won, by the way, for anyone who cares. Um, play? I played okay. I was very conservative because my shoulder is still not 100%. I wasn't like shooting the puck or anything, just playing defensive defenseman, hey. you know, um, trying, to, trying to emulate my idol. <laughs> uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, it was with Larkin, man. That's just a huge blow. And if he's out long-term, we have to have a serious conversation. And we can kind of preview that conversation now about how, how we adjust our expectations for this team. You legitimately lose half of your top six. And then with the rest of your injuries and players out right now, I mean, you're, you're, we already were eviscerated with depth. And you lose three of your best top six forwards in Verona, who's out who knows how long. Bertuzzi, who's going to be not coming back till probably after the new year. Hopefully he'll be back to normal. And then Larkin, I mean, we, it's still up in the air, but if he's out long-term, man, we got to adjust those expectations, right? I, I mean, just like what a brutal night. Like just, like just a brutal hockey game. And like the, the, the offense just had nothing going for them. Like no legitimate threats at any point. And your captain, he gets slashed and then he gets – he blocks a shot with one hand, then goes to the room, comes back out for the second period, then blocks a shot with the other hand and goes out and doesn't return. Just what like a brutal hockey. You get shut out by a rookie and your captain gets hurt. Awesome, Always dude. Awesome. Block shots to the wrist, man. I don't know what the deal is. It just keeps happening, man. It's just so like... Obviously, we we have no idea. At the time of this recording, all that's confirmed is that he's not playing against Minnesota. That is all we know for a fact. 
So we'll we'll see what happens. I, I'd imagine that I, I don't know. I, I guess they maybe they just say tomorrow that like the, they'll get asked a million times about updates on Larkin. So maybe they just say it tomorrow, or maybe they get through tomorrow. Maybe fly him back to Detroit, and then on the off days you have between tomorrow and Saturday, maybe then that that's when you get like a real diagnosis on high and in a real timetable on how long he's going to be out. But regardless, yeah, I, I think that that is, I don't know. I, I feel like we should almost save that for like when, like if that's announced, we should save that. And that can be like a segment or two segments, like I, on an off day show, because I like that would be, that's a, that's a million dollar question. That would be good for Thursday because that's uh, following the Red Wings. Well, Thursday's recording for Friday, rather. So it'd be Friday's episode, just because that, that's, like you said, the million-dollar question. But, I mean, you talk about the injuries, Scotty, that the Red Wings have had so far. Oh, you no. Obviously, Jacob Vrana's out. Phil Zadina's been out. I mean, this this is, regardless of what your guys' feelings towards these individual players are, is their depth, nonetheless. Vrana, Zadina, Pissick, Bertuzzi, Fabry, who's on his way back, Olimata, who's been out with an illness, uh, Robert Haig, undisclosed, is, was placed on the injured uh, reserve. Uh, and then you also, this doesn't even include Matt Luff on this list as well. Now possibly Dylan Larkin. I might be missing somebody because there's just been so many. And, like, listen, the team signed a lot of new players. Like, Robert Haig, Mark Pitt. Well, Mark Pissick is an everyday player for the Red Wings if he's healthy. But, like, Robert Haig's a depth player. You know, Matt Luff is a depth player. But when your starters get hurt and then your depth gets hurt, all, all this these depth players that you signed to try and prevent this type of thing from happening. Or if it did, you'll be okay. Like your call-ups are hurt and then your starters are hurt. It, it affects you on the ice and not to use that as an excuse as to why the Red Wings lost today, but it did have an effect. It's yeah, just, you didn't have your captain for an entire period. And like, you didn't yeah, have arguably have your first or second best. You didn't have, you didn't have either of your first or second best left wingers because you you're missing both Verona and Tyler Bertuzzi. That's left winger one and two. You're missing Philip Zadina, who and who, I mean, yeah, depending on what side you put Fabry on, that you could say three. Yeah. It's, like, <laughs> it's just it like we're we're really we're really going through it right now. And man. I know and, Carolina's banged up too, so I don't want to use that too much. As sure. No, an no, excuse. no. This game was just a defensive masterclass, and we'll get into that for sure, but. I mean, it definitely, Matt, you know, you, you played an entire third of the game without without your your, your captain and your best offensive weapon. I, I mean, I, it really was brutal. And, and, like, we can get to the actual game itself and, and, yeah. and whatnot because the injuries we, we could, we've talked about already this week. And now it's only getting worse. So I'm sure we'll talk about it again on off days. But this truly was a an amazing defensive performance. And they – the, the shot totals are somewhat deceiving in oh, the yeah. sense that like they were pretty even and like the wings didn't they, end with, you know, like 12 shots on net or anything like that. But the opportunities they had were unbelievably like low threats and just like low danger. I, I mean, I, I can count maybe on both hands, like just count the amount of, of times the wings just like flung the puck at the net just to like get a shot on net and just see if they could go for a rebound or, you know, squeak something by somebody or go for a, a, a redirect or something. There, there was a lot of just uncompetitive, just shots on net that, that were just nothing. And 
Uh, that's because this defense is is unbelievable. We knew it was unbelievable, and and yeah, we saw it firsthand. That was, and like we we had plenty of shooting ourselves in the foot. But uh, I mean, credit where credit is due. That was a that was a master class of a defensive performance. That was, I mean, that's exactly it. Everything we talked about in yesterday's episode about what Carolina did is exactly why they won this hockey game. They absolutely were, like you said, they defensive masterclass. They snuffed out any offensive opportunity they have. Um, there was a lot of unforced turnovers on the Red Wings side. And then, of course, we talked about how they were 25th in total goal score. They only had one goal in this game. So it's like yeah, well, everything I, I that mean, they're. Did the, you the, see like the zone entry by the Wings this game? There was Holy none. Holy <laughs> cow. Like vomit inducing. I mean, my goodness, dude. It was. And it was one thing to see it five on five. You're like, all right, this is a really good defense. Clearly, this is, you know, kind of like what they do. We were on the power play and we couldn't end. There was a solid minute of, I think it was the second power play of the game we had. There was a solid 60 seconds where we could not enter the zone on the power play. Like it it just, it didn't matter, man. This, This team was was very much in control. I think that's the way to put it. The, the Hurricanes were very much in control of the game, the entire game, even though it was only a one-goal difference. I mean, it, what's crazy is is you look at the, the basic stats, the stats you, you get on the stat sheet at the end of the game, if you're like, what? what what's your face? What just <laughs> Sorry. happened? Sorry. Carlos Correa just signed with the Giants. For a 13-year, $350 million deal. Baseball, sorry, it just happened right now. <laughs> sorry. That's a big deal. But you look at the you look at the score sheet. Red Wings, even in shots, 27. Uh led the team, led it with hits 16 to 13, won the face-off draws, 30 to 29. Close. Um, power play opportunities, they had three. Hurricanes had two. And of course, their one goal came off that power play. You know, blocked shots, they had the edge 15 to 11 tied takeaways the problem is is then what ultimately costs you this game is those turnovers the giveaways i mean that's what killed you and i want to talk about that in that in the next segment uh when we come back on lockdown red wings but first i gotta talk to you guys today about bet online betonline.net is your number one source for sports betting info stats news and analysis get the latest odds and trends for every professional amateur league out there from pro football to college bowl season to basketball and the World Cup. They've got it all at betonline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Segment two, Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Um, Scotty, when we talk about what cost the Red Wings this game, it, and we talk about what the Carolina Hurricanes had obviously a big role because of the way they play defense, but you didn't help yourselves by having giveaways. You look at the one goal that occurred in this game. It was because Ben Sherratt tried to get a little bit too fancy behind his own net and make a play to Moritz Sider, and it forced a turnover. Puck came out in the slot, and it, admittedly, it was a very weak call. That slash that they called on Adam Ernie yeah, was, was very weak. Um, but it was called nonetheless. It was a slash nonetheless. They went on the power play and they converted, and it was a beautiful no look behind the back pass through the crease right on the tape. And that was all she wrote. And the Red Wings out turned over the puck, which is not a stat you want to have the lead in 12 to four in this game with 12 giveaways. And, you know, a lot of that again is credit to Carolina's defense. They played in a very oppressive defensive style especially on the Red Wings power play. The Red Wings power play couldn't get anything started because Carolina was very aggressive on the penalty kill, something that we praised the Red Wings for 
early on in the season, Carolina did. They came right at you and they suffocated. You had an extra man out there on your power play and you couldn't find him. Carolina just cut down every passing lane. And that, that led to giveaways because people would get frustrated and try to force passes. So, I mean, man, Carolina, just. There was crazy. also, and I didn't see it as much in the second and third period to the Wings credit, but in the first period, dog, like, I mean, they were just doing like boneheaded stuff out there, man. Like it, it was, it was really bad passes and just turnovers, like miscommunication type turnovers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it, it wasn't just insane, you know, like, oh, that's a unbelievable play by the defense. There's nothing you can do about it. Like, no, it was just like terrible miscommunications. And I don't know if that was just like to start the game and they got out of it. I mean, they got shut out. So like, I, I don't know you know, whatever. I don't know how much we're celebrating here that they didn't see in the second and third as much, but like, I, I mean, to start off the game, like you had, you had a, a puck in the corner that I forget even who it was, but uh, two of like the wings players were just like staring at each other and then like let the puck go in the corner and then like both backed off because they thought the other one was going to get it. And then there was one where I think it was Perron was trying to to give an outlet pass like on a rush and it ended up just like no one was going back on the rush. And then you just gave Carolina a breakaway. Like instead, I mean, there was one, there was a really bad turnover at the beginning of the game in our own zone that led to a puck off the crossbar, like right at the beginning of the game. I mean, like it honestly, like I tweeted this out. I think it should have been like three, nothing at the, at the first intermission. Like, I mean, it was a really, really sloppy period. And, and again, while, the second and third period weren't nearly as sloppy. It, it, they didn't necessarily get themselves like out of the rut either. Like I said, the best way to really describe this in my eyes is like Carolina was very much just in control. And well, at no point did it ever feel like the wings were really in the game, even though they were only down a goal. Well, and, and get this. and the, the game did not match. Like you look at what you see advanced analytic wise, and it almost doesn't match what we saw. The Red Wings had an expected goals for percentage of 26% in the first period, 84% in the second, and 12% in the third. Because, again, they struggle in the third period getting anything going in general. But, you know, no that's funny. Is I, I watched that second period, and it didn't feel like they had an expected goals. They had an expected goals for in that period of 1.04 and expected goals against of 0.19. So that shows that they they – dominated the second period but watching the second it didn't feel that way yeah they had a possession a lot of the time but it didn't feel like they really ever got it and that's an even strength that doesn't count the power plays they had because i think they had three power plays one was sh cut short at the end because of the koopa league penalty but yeah it didn't feel like they had that many scoring opportunities and maybe i was just down bad because larkin got hurt <laughs> he came back and played most of the second but i was still like kind of nervous so maybe i just was ignoring it but Corsi four percentage, sixty nine percent. So they they outshot attempted. Nice. Um, the other team, it's just twelve shots to four in the second period. Second period, the Red Wings dominated, but yet it didn't feel like it was a domination. Of course, the first and third were the other way around. It was all Carolina, but it was it's a weird game. You look at individual players. Obviously, Larkin's near the top. He always is. Perron's near the top. I mean, these guys had expected goals four percentages of a Larkin. Larkin at seventy one. Perron had seventy. Austin Zarnick with 54. Number one, though, and this is a guy who continues to impress, Scotty. Jonathan Bergen was your best player on the team at even strength with an expected goals for percentage of 82.21. And that's not because his expected goals for was high, which it was 
in terms of on his own team, it was fairly high, but his expected goals against in this game was 0.1. He had the best expected goals against out of anyone on the team. And that's something that I've critiqued Bergeron for is I thought that his NA at the NHL level, his defense wasn't up to snuff yet, but he had a great defensive game in this one. And I mean, it shows obviously in every single metric, it's tough to weed out the silver linings in a, what was a snooze fest of a loss. But I mean, if you're looking for um, Bergen has continued to be a silver lining. And when you think about it, grand scheme, what was the one thing we asked out of the Detroit Red Wings coming into this game? What play was tough, the... play close. Oh, yeah. I don't think they play necessarily <laughs> I was tough. Like, wonder, play where close. are you going with this? I was like, did I did I put like an ultimatum out there? <laughs> we, okay, we just yeah, asked yes. for them to play close. And, and I don't think they've necessarily played tough, but a one nothing loss. I mean, that's silver linings. I don't want to t- take moral victory in this kind of game, but. Yeah, I, I, I mean, war, again, I like they, they, they got shots on net, I guess. But like, I don't know. If you take away like the super uncompetitive shots on net, I think this game looks even more lopsided. And like, again, they, they did some of the stuff that, that we talked about. Like they, they won in the faceoff circle, which was nice to see. Um, they really sacrificed their bodies <laughs> almost to a fault. And yeah, it's just that that's a that is a uh, I mean, again, a, a masterclass defensive performance that the Wings were not able to overcome. And really, they had an opportunity to tie it at the very, very end of the game like that. That puck jumps oh, yeah. over. Was it Valeno stick? I think it was Rasmussen. Like, yeah, you're right. Uh, right at the end of the game when he's right in front of the net and, and just like you see the replay it literally just hops right over the, the blade, man. Like, that. what are you going to do? Well, I mean, there was one silver lining in this game, and that was the goaltending in general between both yeah, teams. Yeah, Uso again was great. Uh, one goal allowed on the power play, of course, and 27 shots against. The goal saved above. Man, that was a brutal penalty kill on that that shift as well. Man, they just forgot about a dude on the ice. Like they they Mickey thought Redman it was four called on it out four. Too. Yeah, they they just they thought it was four on four there for a little bit. They just he was on an island with miles of of water in between him and and anybody else man that was that was really tough it it was it was it was tough um but goaltending was great Billy Huso was fantastic uh Cooch for the Carolina Hurricanes was really good too I'm just gonna call him that because I'm not gonna attempt to pronounce his name um he had goals saved above expected of 1.98 he played great and he ties Billy Huso for the most shutouts in the league now his second straight shutout I believe so yeah, yeah, you believe they had to really drive home the fact that he's the first rookie in Kane's history to have back-to-back shutouts. They really wanted to make sure that everyone was aware of that stat. In their <laughs> long 25 years of existence in the hockey right. league, well, our Red Wings are approaching 100. But um, I digress. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Um, going forward, Scotty, and we'll we'll talk about this in segment three. It's a back-to-back. Red Wings historically very good on back-to-backs, and this gives us an opportunity to ask the question of who are we seeing in net tomorrow? So we'll get to that and more on the other side of this on Locked on Red Wings. Segment three, Locked on Red Wings podcast. Uh, Scotty, before I move on to the final game, or the final game, what am I saying? The next game, the game against the uh, Minnesota Wild, is there anything you want to say or touch on to wrap up with the Carolina Hurricanes? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think think there's anything else we really need to talk about in that game. Um, I agree. Yeah. uh, You you just got outclassed. That's all there really is to it. Oh, yeah. 
So the Detroit Red Wings tonight, by the time you're listening to this, are going to be playing the Minnesota Wild in Minnesota. I love back-to-backs, especially when one's home, one's on the road. Just fantastic. Love to see NHL scheduling, things like that. But the Red Wings, historically this season, have been doing very good on the second half of those back-to-backs, winning most of those games. And this, you're playing the Minnesota Wild, who you've already beaten. Uh, last time you beat them 2-1 to one at home. So this is the second and final matchup against that team this season. My question is this, Scotty. Uh, the Minnesota Wild team that is 12th in the league at 5-on-5 five five expected goals for percentage. They're 52%. Who are you throwing in net in this game? Would you stick with Billy Huso, who's hot, or do you see one of your two backup goaltenders? It's a great question, ain't it? We talked about it yesterday. Yeah, I would say if there was ever an opportunity to put not Vili Huso in that. This would obviously be the one, right? Second game of back-to-back. Which backup you go to is a phenomenal question. I still don't think that you put three goalies on your roster unless you have the intention to play three goalies, especially with how much Ned has been struggling to start off the season. However... If Ned was thrown in yet, I'm not like jaw on the floor shocked either. Yeah, this is one of those tough ones, honestly. And we can't don't don't sell short the idea of running it back with Huso either. They've of done course. that. They've done that, and he's shown that he's up to the task and he's been fantastic. So they may very well just go right back to Huso. But this is as good of a time as ever to throw one of your backups in there. And honestly, Scotty. I got to go with Magnus. I mean, I said it yesterday, but Helberg, you know, doesn't have quite the track record that Nedeljkovic has in the NHL, like as just in terms of quantity of NHL games, but he's played one NHL game this season. He was good in it for the Ottawa Senators. He, on his conditioning stint with the Grand Rapids Griffins, he proved that he was not an AHL level goalie. He's, he, he's at least a fringe NHL goaltender. He's proved that in my eyes. You got to give him a shot. I mean, Ned hasn't been giving it to you, giving you the opportunity. So give Agnes Helberg the chance. And I mean, this is this is this is it, man. I can't. I don't know any other situation you have the opportunity to do this with your goaltender other than on the second half of back to back. So I, I agree with you, and and I good. We talked about it. Was that yesterday's episode? It was talked about. Yeah, yeah. So. And I said, I was like, if there, the situation should be, if Magnus was ever going to play, why else would you call him up right now of all times if you weren't going to play him at the first opportunity that was available? And this is the first opportunity that is available. This is a back-to-back. I think if they were ever going to do it, this would be the time to do it. Well, they had to call Magnus back up because he wasn't technically with the Griffins. He was on a conditioning stint, so we could only spend a max of 14 days down there. Um, so he, he had to come back up. Otherwise, he yeah, had to go yeah, through yeah, waivers. Yeah. I, I, right. I, I meant more of the the claim in the first place more than anything. Like, yeah. I, yeah, the, okay. the, the re-addition of him is more what I was talking about. But yes, like uh, this is... Like you are making a conscious decision now to carry three goalies on your roster, and and I don't, 
understand why and like you you have another injury so like if Larkin does like knock on what he doesn't have to but if he does go on the injured list like then you're gonna have to call somebody else back up and then you're like still gonna have be making a conscious decision every day to carry three goalies on your roster and I I, I just I don't think you do that just for like fun I, I think you do that with intent and uh yeah th- this is the first opportunity since being recalled obviously that that opportunity is is here and and i think Mm -hmm. that it's not ridiculous to think that we might see him in that some great pads hopefully oh no he's rocking the pads he had last year oh okay they have pictures from him they'll be sick um let's let's talk about the minnesota wild themselves the team that he may have to face in that yeah um i kind of teased it there at the beginning they're they're 12th in the league at expected goals four percentage if you want to go simpler than that and go to Corsi four just pure shot attempts per game at even strength they're 15th in the league almost dead center but still above 50%. So on average, they out shoot attempt their opponent. Um, not surprising considering who they have on their offense, but they're not the crazy good Minnesota. This is a beatable team. Obviously you've already beat them once. And on the second of a back-to-back, which are historically good, I, I think this is as good of a game as any to try and right the ship, bounce back a get right game, as we used to like to call it. The get right game. It's tough. It's tough with just the injuries in general to ever predict a win. It's hard to right now be like, this is a game you should win, especially because Minnesota Wild are, you know, they're fourth in division like you are, but they're, they're heavy league. favorites. Yes, they're heavy Vegas. favorites for a reason. Yeah. So it, it's tough to predict. I know their power play and their, uh, their power play is one of the best in the league, top 10. Their penalty kills middle of the pack. They are, on paper, a better team than you. I mean, Kirill Kaprizov so far this season has like 30 points already, maybe more than that. Let me check them. It's loading right now. 35 points in 28 games played. Zuccarello's got 28 and 20, or 29 and 28. Joel Erickson-Eck has got 23 and 28. And their goaltending's been decent too, but not from the perspective you would expect. Marc-Andre Fleury's having a down year. He's got 19 games played, but an 8.95 save percentage. Philip Gustafson, who I believe you saw in that first matchup between the two teams, has a 920 save percentage in 10 games played. So, you know, out of the two, you almost want to go with the multi-Vesna winning, multi-Stanley Cup winning goaltender. You almost want to see him more because of his recent struggles, other rather than the young guy in Philip Gustafson, just because he's hot right now. He's playing better hockey. But, like, by no means, while this is an not as good of a team as the Carolina Hurricanes. They're still a really good hockey team, and they're better than you on paper, especially without all the injuries that the Red Wings have or with all the injuries that the Red Wings have. So it's getting to a point, Scotty, where I'm I'm having trouble seeing a path forward by other than just saying you got to just play. You got to you got to have guys you wouldn't expect step up, and you got to play flawless hockey, and that's not something they've shown you they can do in this last three game now, now three game losing streak. Yeah. And the, the biggest thing that you will desperately need to figure out for this game, just real quick back to Carolina, that was legitimately one of the worst, I guess is the word power play performances. I think yeah. we've seen from this team this season. I mean, that was brutal. Like we talked about earlier and I'm pretty sure Minnesota leads the NHL in PIMS a game. Like in thir- like it's 32nd if you were to like bad leads. Like has has some of the most PIMS a game in, in the entire league. So you're talking about a, a team that is going to give you opportunities on special teams. 
take advantage. Yeah. And that's something that this season has been kind of hit or miss. They go on hot stretches and they score. Yeah, they'll have a game where they score three power play goals in a game and then they won't score on the power play for a week and the percentage Mm -hmm. won't look absolutely terrible. (laughs) They're they're currently right now, their power play has dipped down into the 20s. Their penalty kill as well, I believe. Um, penalty kill coming into the game was okay. Well, they, they went from 14 to 16. Their penalty kill remains right where I want them to be middle of the pack yeah, as a step forward power play is synced down to 22 Power plays outside of the bottom 10, which again, like I know the short sighted, like part of you wants to be like, Oh, you know, I really want that to be better or whatever. But we have to remember where this power play has been for the last three years and just realize that that just not being a bottom 10 unit in hockey is like, honestly, a, a pretty big accomplishment yeah in a one year span i mean right now the only thing i can say with confidence about this detroit red wings team is man i don't think i can say anything with who is going to play well if he plays that's it yeah because that's pretty much it your big playmakers are all out i mean like i said you're missing top half of your top six more maybe more so depending on who you consider your top six you have a bunch of depth players who are hurt i mean no, like Joe Valeno, God bless him. No offense to him, but he shouldn't be playing top six center role. Like that's not where he's at now. Maybe in the future he can develop into that two C role, but that's not where he's at right now. And that's what we saw him have to do at the end of last season. At the end of last season, man, when the team was falling apart and was brutal, Joe Valeno had to do that because of injury. I don't want to see that at this point in the season. I know injuries happen, but it's it's just so tough to be optimistic, and I hate this. I hate that I'm just talking like this. I'm so sorry to all our listeners who are listening, and I sound like a bummer right now. But it's so hard to be optimistic about this team's outlook during a tough stretch of the schedule when all your best players are hurt. And then beyond that, a bunch of your depth players are hurt. I mean, and Andrew Kopp not being what we what he should be, what we signed him to be. Like, let's call a spade a spade. He's been underperforming for sure. And he's being 3C. The fact that Andrew Kopp... Pro-rate get... his point total. No, thanks. The, the fact yeah. that... <laughs> I'm just saying, like, like uh, yes, you expected more out of him defensively and in the face-off circle, but, like, points-wise, like, that. it's pretty much is what you signed up for. The, 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 the point I'm trying to make, though, is how demoralizing is it that when Dylan Larkin goes down, the guy who gets the call up to the line number one as center isn't Andrew Kopp, the guy you're paying $5 million a year. It's Joe Valeno, who's a sophomore. Like, good for Joe Valeno, but that's not how it should be. So, I don't know. I I sound like such a bummer. I'm really sorry, guys. But we're in a tough stretch right now, and injuries People keep getting hit in the wrists, and they need to stop. (laughs) Until the team gets healthy and until the team starts playing. Some some new wrist padding. They talked new, about that in like the broadcast. upper hand wrist padding for the league. That this is another one of my my gripes with the league, and I, I'm a, I'm a minority in the opinion, but I get so tired of NHL athletes pushing back against added protection that will let them play the game more and stay healthier longer just because they want to look cool. I'm it, it's one of my biggest gripes, and I know I'm in the minority, and it goes back to the whole visor thing, but. <laughs> I'll I will save that for an off day when we're really desperate for topics. Um, we'll, we'll just got any final thoughts, dude. What, what's won't. the over under? Let's say six and a half. We nailed the under in this one. By the way. <laughs> I feel like the under is the safe bet in every single game. I'll say, golly, I'll say the over. 
That's a shot. That's a, you're shooting for the moon there. I'm saying under. Yeah, I, I know that under's like the safe bet given everything we just talked about, but I don't know. Hockey's weird. I hate injuries. Yeah. I'm tired of it. They, they're really demoralizing, is like is the this was supposed thing, to yeah. be, and it still is. They're wind still out on, the sale. There's still wind out of the sales, absolutely. They're still on pace to be where I want them to be. But how are they gonna maintain that pace when everybody's hurt? Right, yeah. It's tough. We ball, we ball though. though. Hey, nice. <laughs> hey, 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 my well, guy. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with a game recap. Let's hope for a good result. We will stay optimistic on that and hope for a good result against the Minnesota Wild. Let's. Same time, same place. It's your team every day. Every day.